Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Bandwidth for the Tech Guy is provided by Cashfly. C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. Hi, this is Leo Laporte, and this is my Tech Guy podcast. This show originally aired on the Premier Radio Networks on Saturday, May 28th, 2011. This is episode 773. Enjoy. Let the party begin. A good day to you, Leo Laporte here, the tech guy. And I know many people would say, a party of nerds, no thank you. No thank you. But you know what? Nerds know how to have fun. This is the show. Have you seen Big Bang Theory? This is the show where we talk about computer. Have you seen Chuck? He's seen Chuck. (laughs) He's in the nerd herd. This is the show where we talk about computers, the internet, cell phones, camcorders, MP3 player, home theater, you know, anything digital, anything with a chip, anything uh, that you might find electronic, shall we say. We talk about, uh, about that all, we answer your questions, we, we, uh, we, we muse about the future of the world, all of that at this phone number, 888-827-5536. That's the number, 888-827-5536. This is the uh, 773rd show in this series. You'd think we'd have figured it out by now, but no. The mystery of technology grows at all times. In fact, you know, it's funny because I think, it, you know, when, when, when uh, we first started getting personal computers, back in the late 70s, when you first could finally have a computer on your desktop, I think the thought was, oh, now, uh, now, you know, everyone can have one. The challenge, the task is going to be make it accessible. Because, you know, up to then, it was really a priesthood that was able to to use the computer. You had to study it in school. You had to have uh, access to a mainframe. I mean, it was not easy. Young Bill Gates, in fact, uh, became a computer nerd because his mom and other parents at the the exclusive swanky Seattle private school he went to had a bake sale and bought money, bought a time sharing on, um, on the big mainframe down the street. And they put it, I remember this in my, when I was in prep school, they put a teletype terminal in a, in a little closet at the school. And, uh, and the nerds would go in there and mess with it. And Bill was one of them. And he fell madly in love with personal computing. Now, it wasn't really personal computing yet. It was very early in personal computing. Very early, you know, in the sense that nobody had a small computer. But because this fancy high school had a terminal, in a way it was personal. He could go in there and he'd have access to this timeshare mainframe. And he learned how to program. And he and his buddies, Paul Allen was uh, one of them, uh, in fact, formed a company. Their first company was called Trafo Data, and they wrote, they wrote the software. You've seen it when you drive down the street. Sometimes they have those little rubber hoses across the street counting traffic. You know, every once in a while, the cities need to know, well, how much traffic's on this street? Should we change the uh, traffic patterns and so forth? He wrote a, a program that would interpret those little boom, boom, rubber hose bumps, boom, boom. and cities were buying this from this high school kid. 
Trafo Data was the Lakeside School. Uh, he, he's roughly my age. He graduated at the same time I did from high school in 1973. So there was no personal computers back then. But he was lucky because he went to this fancy school. He had access to these things. They went on to Harvard. And it was in his uh, dorm room at Harvard that he uh, got a phone call from his old buddy at the Lakeside School, Paul Allen, who said, hey, did you see the cover of uh, popular, was it popular science? Popular, uh, I can't remember which uh, which magazine it was. Did you see the cover? Let me let me let me look because it's in the Wikipedia article. I just want to get that right. And he called him and he said, "Look at this. That's on the front of this. There's a picture of a, a personal computer, Popular Electronics. <clears throat> it was the Altair, eighty eight hundred. And Paul said, "This is amazing." Steve Ballmer was uh, was his college roommate too, and uh, and interested in all of this. This is amazing. They didn't have an Altair; they couldn't afford one. They had never written anything for it, but they th- but but somehow they had this idea, Bill Bill Gates and Paul Allen, that that, that this was going to be a revolution. They knew they knew about computers; they loved computers, and they thought, boy, having a computer on an individual's desk that's going to be a revolution. And they said, we've got to get, we've got to jump this, board this train. This is 1975. So uh, Bill said, let's write a programming language. We love BASIC. Let's write a BASIC programming language for the Altair. They don't have one. They did. They wrote it. They didn't even have the computer. Paul Allen wrote a, uh, a machine uh, that, that uh, 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 would emulate the Altair on the big computer. And they were able to use the big mainframe computer to write this BASIC. And they, never, they didn't even know if it would run. They're, they're debugging it on the plane as they fly to Albuquerque to show it to the president of MITS to sell it to them. It worked. They made a deal. Paul Allen was hired by MITS. Bill Gates took a leave of absence from Harvard in 1975. He was just a sophomore. And, uh, or was he a junior? Yeah, I think he was a junior. And and uh, they formed a company yeah, out there in Albuquerque called Micro-Soft. Not a great name. Not a great name. The beginning of something huge. And all because they said, you know, that when these become personal, there's going to be something interesting. So ever since the first days of the personal computer, where people got excited by what they could do, it's been a, it's been a drive to make these things easy to use, something that you and I could use without being computer scientists, without being the, having the genius of a Bill Gates and a Paul Allen. And uh, here we are. What is that? 20, 36 years later? <laughs> 36 years later. And uh, are these things easier to use? No. They're actually harder to use. Do they? Uh, can anybody just sit down in a computer and use them? No. No, not really. In fact, a lot of what we do on this show is I, I, I assure you it's not your fault if this thing doesn't work right. It's the fault of the computer scientists who think everybody could figure this out. Ah, oh, you, should, you should be able to hack into this, the firmware and fix that. Something has changed in the last year. And it's another guy, another kid who, in the same time frame, roughly the same age, dropped out of college in the mid-70s. He was a student at Reed University up in Portland, Oregon. And he dropped out. And he, he and his buddy were kind of phone hackers. They, liked to, they were selling uh, 
Devices called blue boxes let you make free long-distance calls. It was highly illegal. But they were into electronics. They were into technology. And, and, and this kid who dropped out of Reed, this kid Steve Jobs was his name, he, uh, he really thought there was going to be a business here. He, lo- he loved the idea that we could make something and there'd be a business here. He, they sold the blue boxes. At, and Wozniak, his, his buddy Steve Wozniak, who was a genius engineer, he just didn't care. He just thought it was fun. And Jobs got Wozniak to uh, encourage him to uh, work on his design for this thing they called the Apple One, and uh, later the Apple Two, and it was the first personal computer on your desk. But even then, I think Steve and Steve realized it was it was for hobbyists, it was for enthusiasts, and I think Steve Jobs, even then, in the back of his head, said this should be easier to use. In fact, that's why they did the Macintosh in 1984. They wanted it was remember the computer for the rest of us, but you know what? Still too hard to use. It was still, it was, it wasn't for, it was for the enthusiast or somebody who was willing to take the time and effort to learn it. It was not, it wasn't that easy to use. But I think in the back of his head, Steve Jobs and the people he worked with on the uh, early Macintosh team, people like Jeff Raskin, had this vision of a computer you could just sit down at and use. And you know what happened? It just happened this past year. It happened 20, what is it, 27 years later. They came up with something called the iPad. And you know what? For the first time, it is something somebody could just sit down and use pretty much, right? In fact, that was the tagline. You already know how to use it. And I see two- and three-year-old kids who actually can use this thing. They know how to use it. It's Somehow, it's just because it's touch, it's intimate, it's there. And boy, what a... Re- now, now, it gets interesting. Now, now, these things really are something people can use. And that's what this show's about. How to use this stuff to change your life, whether it's a computer, home home theater, an iPad, a cell phone. 8888-ASK-LEO. That's the phone number. Let's talk. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. On the Kyle's on the tunes, on the jams once again. You could tell. That's got to be cake, right, Kyle? Yeah. And the theme song from Chuck, by the way. I didn't know they did the theme song from Chuck. There you go. All right. I got to watch more TV. Leo Laporte, the tech guy, chronicling the computer revolution for the last 20 years. I have been doing this show. I know we're all, we're only on episode 773, but we only started counting seven years ago. If I were to have started counting when I started doing this show in 1991, um, golly, I don't know. I'd have to do the math. It's 104 shows a year, 20 years, so more than 2,000 shows, right? Yikes! And I still haven't figured it out. 8888-ASK-LEO, 888-827. 5536 is the phone number. Toll free from anywhere in the U.S., outside the U.S., please just call uh, the uh, Skype, do the Skype thing, because that's toll free. And uh, by the way, our, our website is techguylabs.com. So if you go there, you'll find um, at techguylabs.com, you'll find uh, the phone number, a link to the chat room. 
which is always a lot of fun. Well over 500 people in there now. And, you know, I have a feeling by the end of the day, there will be uh, a thousand, because I'm an optimist. A thousand Chuck fans all in, the, all in that chat room at once. Anything you want to talk about, if it's a computer, if it's the internet, if it's cell phones, a camcorders. You know, where I'm sitting here, we have a, 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 a kind of an open studio policy because we have uh, viewers in here. And I see not one but two massive DSLRs in here. That digital photography has really, uh, really taken off. There's a Canon 5D Mark II and a Nikon. Is that a that's a D7, a 7D, and a D50? These are these guys. People are serious about photography now, aren't they? It's a it's fast. So I love to talk about that. We even do. We have a, a photo show uh, on my podcast network, and it's so much fun. It's a great way to get into technology. We also talk a lot about cell phones. I don't, I don't do a specific cell phone show. We have a show called All About Android, which is cell phones and tablets, and we do an iPad show. I really should probably do a fo- phone show. Phones are fascinating. That, 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 those early computers like the uh, Apple II, uh, the Mitz Altair, you know, that was a big deal that you could have that on your desk. Nowadays, in your pocket, you have a supercomputer. The, 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 the iPhone, or any one of these Android phones, some of which are more powerful than the iPhone, is actually faster, more powerful, does more. They measure this in, in what they call teraflops. Billions of floating point instructions per second. This, this phone in your pocket does more teraflops than a Cray supercomputer of about five years ago. A computer that had to sit in liquid nitrogen to keep it cool. You don't have to carry around a pocket full of liquid nitrogen. You have in your pocket. And people go, you know, my phone gets warm. Yeah, your phone gets warm. (laughs) You used to have to be in liquid nitrogen. Truly a revolution. Amazing. 888-827-5536. That's a phone number. Our first call of the day from Vista, California. Richard is on the line. Hi, Richard. Hello, Leo. How's the supercomputer in your pocket? <laughs> uh, it's fantastic. It is an iPhone, so <laughs> it's amazing. I mean, I, I it's just remarkable what, how fast this changes. And now, home theater—that computer that you have in your living room is a computer. Uh, the TV you have in the living room is a computer too. It's usually running Linux. Yeah, well, that's amazing. That to, to to get as a new TV, I've got to replace these old uh, uh, giant uh, CRTs someday. So yes. yes. I um, believe you know that uh, that a you know remember a th- I think I think the biggest CRT I ever had was thirty two inches, and it was ginormous. It was like having an elephant in the living room. Oh, that's what I have, and yes, it is ginormous. It's huge because because they're because it's a tube, and so the tube as it gets bigger in front has to get bigger in the back, and these things are just huge. And now a thirty two inch flat panel would be considered relatively small. Right. Right. Yeah, um, I was thinking, you know, a 32-inch uh, flat panel is going to be way too small for this room. It's a smaller room, though, but anything bigger than a 42, it's probably going to be too big. So Yeah, I mean, it's hard to tell. You know, what happens is, now, now that we've gone to these high-def TVs and, and flat panels, we're looking for more of a cinematic experience, right? And so, in a even in a small room... If you want it to feel like you're at a movie theater, a 50 or a 60 inch TV may not be too big, but it, you know you have to decide what it what it is that you know you have to you have to balance aesthetics and 
you know, and, and livability with, with uh, your home theater experience. But I think, I think in my opinion, I, I like to see, I'd like to see you get a 50. How big is the room? Oh, it's not that big. It, uh, I mean, it's about maybe 12 by 12. You know, the, the real question is how far back are you sitting? And there's, a, there's actually a calculation you can do based on the distance from the TV. What's interesting is that the Dolby folks have, have this and the THX folks have this. And, uh, and, and in each calculation, you can go online and search for this, you'd be surprised at how much bigger the TV is supposed to be than you think. And I think that that's because they want to give you an experience where it almost fills your field of view. Well, so, that would be nice. Of course, cost is a, is a factor. Um, well, yeah, but and again, the costs have dropped dramatically. You go to a big box store, and you, it's a, it's kind of stunning what a fifty a fifty inch TV for eleven hundred bucks nowadays. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, let me tell you what I'm looking at. Um, yes. I'm looking at the Vizio E3D four two zero VX. Okay. It's a forty two inch. It's three D, which, like you, I'm not too crazy about, but. Right now on Amazon, it's only uh, six fifty-seven. Isn't that amazing? Holy cow! <laughs> Holy cow! Vizio is a very good brand. It's not the top tier. You know, if you you know you you want to know what the top tier TVs are, they're Panasonic, they're Sony, they're LG, they're Sharp, and then there's Vizio. And Viz- so Vizio is like a second tier, but Vizio is a v- is very good bang for your buck. And I like Vizios. We bought a bunch of Vizios for the studio. Uh, I think they're very good. I agree with you. Th- you know, 3D is kind of unnecessary. Uh, this TV has some of the features that you really want. It's 1080p, mm-hmm. so that's good. You can watch Blu-ray discs and get all the resolution. Although at that size, it's probably not critical. It's only the bigger sizes where the higher resolution makes a difference. Uh, it has its LED backlit, which I like. Uh, I think that gives you a more even, accurate lighting. It has an automatic backlight adjustment. You may or may not want to use that. Depending, you have to see how you feel. Okay. Uh, what I what I think is uh, very good is it it supports as as I think all the Vizios do um, internet access. So you don't have to get an extra box to yeah you don't have to get an extra box for Amazon or Netflix. I like that in in um, I think that's important. So although this is a good TV, I have uh, you know what you should do. The one thing I recommend, and it's hard to do in the store. Uh, but look and ask them how it works with standard definition content, because even though most of what you watch will be HD nowadays, some of it's going to be standard definition, and some lower price TVs don't do very well with "I Love Lucy" and the Honeymooners. You know, they okay. it makes it because you're seeing it in better quality than you've ever seen it before. That old 32 inch CRT smooched it so that it looked better, believe <laughs> it or not. But now, when you see it actually as it is, it looks pretty jaggy. But if you don't want watch a lot of old TV uh, shows. Or you get a good upscaling uh, DVD player, which I'd recommend get a good Blu-ray player. I think that's a great TV. Today I don't feel like doing anything. I just want to lay in my bed. Don't feel like picking up my phone So leave a message at the tone Cause today I swear I'm not doing anything uh, I'm gonna kick my feet up then stare at the fan Turn the TV on, throw my hand in my pants Nobody's gonna tell me I can't Nah, I'll be lounging on 
This portion of the Tech Guy Show is brought to you by my internet service provider, DSL Extreme, for high-speed internet at an amazing price. Call 866-2GETNET to get DSL Extreme. I'm going to retweet this. This is awesome. This song, uh, Bruno Mars' song. But uh, Leonard Nimoy just released a video version of this that is hysterical. A little adult, but it's hysterical. And uh, he just tweeted it. He's on, on the Twitter as the real Nimoy. <laughs> as opposed to what? I don't know. Um, but just just hysterical. I'll, I'll, I'll retweet. So uh, you can get a link to that. My, uh, my Twitter account is Leo Laporte, L-E-O-L-A-P-O-R-T-E. And if you're following me, you'll see I just tweeted the link to that song. The video, the YouTube video of Leonard Nimoy. Very funny. Is there a fake Nimoy? I guess there is. He's the real Nimoy. 8888-ASK-LEO, that's the phone number. We will, by the way, uh, speaking of uh, home theater, we have our home theater guru, Scott Wilkinson from the Ultimate AV Magazine. He joins us every Sunday on the show. Uh, And he's been a really uh, valuable asset because uh, this stuff is changing very rapidly. And I can't possibly try every TV in the world, but he does. Believe it or not. George in Florida, you're next. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, George. Hey, Leo. Great to talk to you. Thanks for calling. Um, I've got a question uh, regarding um, uh, our DSL. We have DSL um, internet service. And I've got a couple of computers in the house, and I, I use speed test to check, you know, download speed. And I've got one, one computer, um, and it's showing half of half the bandwidth that the other computers are rating at. And I don't know why, why something like that would be happening. Do you have any idea what it might be? Do you think it's, I don't know if it was a network card that needs to be switched? Are you uh, on the slow computer? Is it Wi-Fi or is it uh, direct? Wired, wired connection. Uh, the the computer that I'm having problems with it's it's a direct it's a wired connection. Ah, that's interesting because you'd maybe think with Wi-Fi, oh, you know, it could be uh, having problems uh, with the Wi-Fi card. But if it's a direct Ethernet connection, yes, it's direct to the um, to you know. It's the same router for all of them. Yes, same router. Yeah, um, it, I, I can't think of why it would be ha- half the speed is a lot slower. Yeah, it might be a setting. Are, are all of the operating systems the same? Uh, when, uh, it's Windows 7, yes. Yeah. Um, um, do you think it's a software issue, or do you think it's a hard? Do you think it's a network card? It, it's hard to tell. It could be. It could be either. I mean, it could even be the cable. Okay. So, so I would, you know, I, the, the process of troubleshooting is to, you know, narrow it down by eliminating things, and you always do the easiest thing first. What's the easiest thing? Swap a cable. Okay. So see if the see if swapping the cable makes a difference. It's nice that you have speed test because that'll that that is a is a great way to see what's going on. Okay. If um if you uh, let me think about this, uh, there are ways to set uh, Ethernet cards to make them slower or less uh, useful. You'll find that in the device manager and the properties for the card. Uh, but I presume you didn't mess with it, so uh, I would have to think that the yeah. No, if, do you have like is you know it, it it's the card that's on the motherboard. Oh yeah, yeah, you don't mess with that. The other thing you might try the router itself. Um, somebody in the chat room suggested it's worth a try trying a different port on the router. Okay, okay, I'll do that too. You might have a bad port. Okay, and then the... it seems likely. It's hard to say. I mean, I was I was going to say it seems likely that it's hardware, but that's really not true. It, it could be a 
you know, computers are so deucedly complicated these days, and there's so many different interacting pieces of the puzzle that you just have to one by one try them. So switch the port, switch the cable, uh, look at the card settings. Uh, you might want to uh, delete the Ethernet driver and and re you know reboot to replug and play it. It's a Windows supplied driver, so it's not like you can go to the manufacturer and get a different one. But maybe you can. You do have. Make sure you have. This actually could be this could be a easy fix. Uh, every motherboard, if you since you have motherboard Ethernet, every motherboard has its own special drivers, and it may be that Windows, when you got installed on that machine, installed its generic drivers. But see if you could. It, it, who is it? Somebody made the the whole computer, or is it? It's a gigabyte. It's a it's a one that I put together. It's a gigabyte. Ah, okay, good. So it's a gigabyte motherboard. That's that's significant. I would go to Gigabyte. Make sure you have the exact right drivers for that exact motherboard. Okay. Okay. I'll do that. That actually is significant. You built it yourself, so you know how to do this stuff. Um, motherboard drivers uh, include drivers for anything on the motherboard: graphics, audio, and Ethernet. Okay. Okay. And you want to make sure you get those the correct ones for those. They may even have a fix for it. Make sure the card's in full duplex mode. I don't think you will have changed those settings, but it's possible that they didn't come. Uh, configured properly from the from the start. Okay, awesome. All right, I'll try those things. Thanks for the thanks for the call, George. Yeah, it's all a qu- you know. I can't tell you definitively. Oh, I could see into your computer and tell you it's the fact that uh, this is because I, you know it could be so many things. Another great tip from Brian in the chat room: make sure the network cable isn't right next to an AC power cord, and certainly don't twist power cords around network cables. That kind of thing, because what you're getting is that you can get interference from the AC. That could slow you down. Wouldn't necessarily break the connection. It could just slow you down. Uh, another good suggestion. This is a good troubleshooting suggestion in general. This is for somebody who's more advanced. Obviously, George is. He built his own computer. It's a great thing, though, if you know how to do this to do it, is to get a copy of Linux on a CD that you can boot from or a DVD that you can boot from. Uh, it's, they're, they're widely available. Ubuntu is a good choice. U-B-U-N-T-U dot com. Put it on a CD. They make these uh, discs that you can boot up from the CD uh, and run. Now, they won't run as fast. It's designed to give you a, a peek, a test, uh, 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 to get an idea of what Linux would be like on your system. But it has another advantage. If there is something wrong with your operating system or your drivers or your hard driver, you know, uh, the software on your computer, booting to a completely different operating system and testing, then running speed test would be, uh, I think, of uh, an interesting test. Because if it works at full speed in that booted Linux, then you know, oh, it's not hardware. It's not the cable. It's not the card. It's something going on in Windows, either a setting or a software or driver issue in, in Windows. This is in, in, insanely useful to have this Linux boot disk. Uh, if, you, if, if you've got a working machine now, not a bad idea. Maybe this would be a good project for a Saturday afternoon. Go and download Ubuntu. Burn it onto a CD or a DVD. And now you've got something that you can boot from in all kinds of situations. If you've got a virus problem, a hard drive is flaky. Um, you want to recover the data from the hard drive before it dies. If you're not sure if software is causing a problem, this is so, in, so useful to have this boot disk, have it around. And there are a number of uh, kind of custom Windows boot disks like, that, that like this as well that you can see the ultimate boot CD and things like that. But frankly, in, in most cases... Uh, just a simple Linux install was going to have the tools that you need to examine the hard drive and so forth. You don't need to go out and buy something fancier. Um, UltimateBootCD.com, though, does have a uh, 
a CD that's designed for this kind of troubleshooting that you can make as well. And I think it's running Linux as well. Uh, Manuel in Corona, Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Manuel. Hi, I was wanting to know, uh, what would be a recommendation for a good point-and-shoot camera to take on vacation? How, uh, how, fa- how fancy do you want to get? What's your budget? That kind of thing. Um, well, maybe about 300 bucks more than that for a good point-and-shoot. My favorite point-and-shoot, and it's very compact and really a nice camera, is the Canon S95. S95. It uh, lists at 400. You might be able to get it for a little bit less. It is a very good 10 megapixel digital camera. It's got excellent video capabilities as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it uh, it's, it's kind of their state-of-the-art point-and-shoot. And, shoot. and I, I do like Canons. Uh, Fuji uh, also makes some uh, very good ones. Panasonic. I like the Panasonic Lumix line. For, for ease of use, for people who, who it's their first digital camera and they just want to make it easy, Kodak makes some decent ease of use cameras. But, but if you want a great camera for your vacation, it takes excellent pictures, is very compact. The Canon PowerShot S95. I think I'm going to interrupt this song. I'm a San Francisco Giants fan. I don't know why this became the San Francisco Giants theme, however. (laughs) It really doesn't have much to do with baseball, San Francisco, or the Giants, but it is called Don't Stop Believing." It's fun. Thank you for playing that, Kyle. How many, I wonder how many baseball teams, though, that that was the theme song. I mean, like probably half of them, right? 8888-ASK-LEO. That's the phone number. 888-827-5536. Computers, the internet, cell phones, home theater, iPads, tablets of any kind. I've become a, a big fan of a tablet that's coming out later this week, I think, or next week. Uh, the uh, It's not an iPad. It's the Galaxy uh, Tab. This is their 10.1-inch tab. It is as thin, actually slightly a hair thinner than the iPad 2. It's about the same weight because it's a widescreen. Instead of, you know, the iPad 2 is uh, t- it's 1024 by 768. It's a 4 by 3. This is a widescreen, so it's 16 by 9, which means uh, watching movies on it uh, would be, you know, they'd be the, the right aspect ratio. It'd fill the screen nicely. Uh, 1280 by 800, so it's more, more resolution. And having a little bit bigger case means they could put a little bit bigger battery. So the battery life is uh, equal to or even slightly better than the iPad. What it, what it lacks, of course, is iOS, is, the, is Apple's operating system. It's running an Android uh, operating system on it. And Android up to now hasn't really been designed for tablets, so there's not a lot of applications that fill this screen, although the ones that do fill it beautifully and, and really uh, use the real estate nicely. I it's a fast tablet. It's running a dual-core Tegra 2 processor. It's, um, 
it's which gives us great video capability, um, graphics capability. I, I think it's a I think it's a pretty sweet uh, uh, device. It, what what I like about it is Apple's getting some competition. I, I think the iPad is significant. You know, I uh, a couple of uh, shows ago we had a. An older person call in who said she wanted to buy a Windows computer. And I said, please, <laughs> for her first computer. And in fact, she said she'd bought one from Dell and it didn't come with an operating system. She didn't know what to do. And I said, please, why did you buy this? Why did you buy this? What do you want to do? She said, well, I email and surf. I said, you really, I, you, you really ought to consider an iPad. Uh, it does email, it surfs. It's great for casual use and it's easy to use. There's no security issues involved with it. Uh, it's it's very capable. I think these tablets are great as a second computer for people who are into computers but want something light and easy to transport around. Um, you can get a lot of work done on it. And I think for there's a whole separate category of people for their first computer. And the iPad particularly is good. You know, I'm I'm an Android fan because I like messing around with stuff, and Android does let you mess around with it more. It has more choices. And it does have 200,000 applications. It's not like there's a lack of applications. But Apple has more, almost half a million applications now. And uh, I think the, the perhaps the fit and finish, the quality of design of the software is probably a little bit better. Apple does control it much more tightly. That's a pro and a con. Um, I, I have to say, I, I, feel, I feel pretty good about tablets in general. And I think for a first-time user, an iPad is, is the right choice. And uh, they're, they're pretty, uh, they're pretty, they're getting, they're getting there. And, and uh, iPad is there already. And I think these, these uh, new Android tablets, Acer just came out with one. Uh, I like this Samsung quite a bit. Are are very close, very usable, and have a lot of the you know if you're a Kindle if you like to read books on your Kindle, you should probably take a look at this. They're really great ebook readers, um, magazines, things like that. I I have to say I'm I'm very very bullish on this category, and a lot of computer users, a lot of computer journalists are not. It's scary for them because they understand computers. They've made their living explaining computers. They like it a little bit that you need them. You might even find your nerd down the street is a little dismissive of tablets. Oh, you don't want a tablet. You want something with more power, something that can do more. But what really they're thinking, maybe not even consciously, is you want something where you need me more. Because if you these tablets uh, are pretty easy to use. <laughs> you know, they're for people who, who aren't interested in becoming computer experts. They just want to surf. Do email, play some games. Great for gaming, really fun for gaming. I'm 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 very bullish on this category. It's very exciting. Who isn't now, right? Gabe, except for the geek down the street. Gabe in Chino Hills, Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Gabe. Hello, Leo. How are you? I'm wonderful. How are you? Um, I'm looking to get uh my first smartphone, and I also have a 2010 F150 with the Sync system in it. So I've heard you. I have T-Mobile. You know I'm a Ford Sync fanatic. It's a great system. I love it. I have a 2010 Mustang with the Sync. And and a disclaimer here: Ford is a sponsor, a major sponsor on our podcast network. In fact, that's why I got the Mustang. Uh, but now, but now, now I just love it. I think it's really great. Sync is Ford's name for. It's actually Microsoft Car, which is a car operating system Microsoft designed with additions on top of it. Uh, that's Ford's branding for their Bluetooth navigation, uh, audio system, and phone. Now, I currently have a an old just Sony Ericsson flip phone, 
and all the features work, including the text messaging, it downloads the phone book, and so, so, so wow, on. Wow, that's pretty cool. What, what, which phone is this? It's the Sony Ericsson uh, Equinox. That's really interesting because a lot of, a lot of uh, the smartphones don't do all of that. Most of them will allow all of them will allow you to make Bluetooth calls. Correct. I'm talking about on the Ford Sync, but I think this is true across the board that their capabilities vary for some reason. I'm not sure why. All of them allow you make make and place calls. Not all of them allow you to download the phone book. That's a nice feature because then the the, the car can say mom is calling or you can call mom by name you could say call mom on her cell and those that's a nice feature certainly while you're driving you don't want to be dialing um and then you have an additional benefit which i think is great that very few smartphones can handle including the iphone which is that when a text comes in the car reads you the text is that will your car do that yes and your truck yeah feature a lot and i do too now the only one i've ever tried that does that is the droid x Okay. Um, that's a Verizon phone. Um, I have used the iPhone. I have used a number of other Android phones. I'm currently using a T-Mobile G2X. I've tried the Nokia N8. None of them recognize or read text messages. The Droid X was the only one where a text message would come in, the car would beep at me, and I could say, you know, I could press a button that says read it, and it would read it in a robotic voice, which was great fun. <laughs> Especially when I got... Sexy texts from my wife. <laughs> Honey, bunny, I can't wait to snog with you. It was very romantic. Okay. Well, that uh, that pretty much answers my question because I was going to ask about the, the T-Mobile uh, G2X. It's my favorite uh, Android phone right now because it's dual core, terrible battery life, but I just bought a second battery. <laughs> and that's how I solve it. When the battery dies halfway through the day, I put another one in. Uh, and that's nice. You can't do that with the iPhone, although uh, you don't need to in most cases with the iPhone. Um, the G2X does not read text messages. I don't know. We should collect a database of uh, maybe Ford or your Ford dealer would know uh, which. This is a feature, by the way, most cars don't have. And the fact that the Sync does it at all is kind of cool. It must be. All I could think of is it's. it must be a Bluetooth profile for text messages that some phones support and others don't. If I could figure out what maybe somebody in the chat room can help me. Is there a name for this Bluetooth, Bluetooth profile? If there is, then we could look on the specs of any phone and say, oh, yes, that supports you know Bluetooth texting profile or not. Yeah, that would be great. That would be very helpful. Because yeah, but the only one I've tried that does it is the Droid X. And that's Verizon, as you said. That is Verizon. It's a very nice phone. They had the, the X2 just came out. I would presume that it would do the same. Okay. I'll have to, you know what I'll have to do is bring a bunch of phones and, it's a kind of a pain because you have to pair it with a car and then you have to get somebody to send you a sexy text message and, <laughs> yeah. and all of that. All right. Well, thank you. Now, I think you're going to, I tell you, you know what I would also look at, and I don't know, if, for your first smartphone, I like the Windows mobile phones and all the carriers now have Windows mobile phones, these new Windows Phone 7. Um, these are very nice smartphones. They're kind of intermediate between a feature phone and a full, full-fledged full smartphone. They their ease ease of use is very good. They're very functional. Um, I the Samsung Focus that I had did not. I don't believe it read text messages to me though. So we'll figure it out. Okay. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Well, bye. All right, Gabe. Yeah, I wish there were some way. You know, it's just. I wish there were a directory somewhere that would tell you the Nexus S did not. Um. I wish there were. Oh wait a minute. Here's a chart. Chat room as always. Syncmyride.com. That's the Ford site does in fact have a chart 
SyncMyRide.com of sync-compatible mobile phones, and they have checklists on all the phones to support which features are... Uh, that's fantastic. Of course they do that. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Good day to you, Leo Laporte here, the tech guy. This is the show where we talk about tech. And when, you know, I have a pretty broad definition of tech. When I first started doing this show, many moons ago, tech meant computers, basically. I mean, we talked a little bit about the Internet. It was so early on. Uh, I don't think we really started talking about the Internet until later. So tech meant things like um, uh, Windows 3.1, <laughs> DOS 5, that kind of thing. A little later on, a little later on, uh, the Internet got involved. And then, well, it got even crazier. We got all sorts of other things involved, like uh, cell phones and home theater. So anything, I'm very liberal in my definition. In fact, when I started doing the Tech Guy show back in 2004, we started in uh, Los Angeles on the great KFI, where the show is still, I'm very pleased to say, broadcast. Um, program director there, Robin Bertolucci, such a great friend and supporter, said, uh, you're not just going to do Windows, are you? <laughs> I said, no. She said, because uh, we have a lot of, you know, it's L.A., there's a lot of creative types. We want to do Mac. I said, well, you, yeah, I'll talk about it. I love the Mac. I'll talk about the Mac. She said, then, um, you know, I'm thinking cell phones are going to be hot. This is 2004, uh, well before the smartphone. And I said, yeah, yeah, well, I'll talk about smartphones. Uh, or I, I guess it wasn't smartphones. It was cell phones, right? And uh, home theater, you know, that's big. I said, yeah, I could talk about that. <laughs> so as, uh, as the uh, world of technology has expanded, so has my portfolio. Some things have fallen by the wayside. I don't do much GPS conversation anymore. Everybody's got one in their phone. There's no reason to buy a standalone GPS. I, went to the, I was at Costco the other day, and they have a whole aisle of GPSs. I thought, hmm, what if they sell a lot of those? Uh, PDAs, you don't see people buying Palm Pilots much anymore, do they? Yeah, smartphones got, got that down too. Even Apple has noted that fewer people are buying the old iPods, the music iPods. Uh, more than half the iPods sold these days are iPod Touches because people want the apps. The iPod Touch really is a PDA, isn't it? It's, it's, it's taken the mantle of the Palm and the Trio and all of those. So things change. Some things drop off, but more things are added all the time. And I'll talk about any of them. It, that's, I love it. 8888-ASK-LEO is the number. Uh, again, uh, for our last caller who was trying to figure out what uh, phones would read text messages back to you on the Ford Sync devices, SyncMyRide.com has a lot of information. We found one table that was from 2008. There is a more modern table. It lets you actually choose your vehicle. 
and uh, and then it will tell you what that vehicle supports. And that's because the Ford Sync has uh, changed dramatically uh, in its capabilities. Now they call it My Ford Touch, and it does more stuff. And I would presume any manufacturer, uh, any car manufacturer that has built-in Bluetooth would would have this kind of information. And it's worth checking because I'll tell you, it can really make a difference in your experience of the car. I cannot go backwards. When I get in the car now, uh, it recognizes my phone. It automatically pairs with the phone. If I've been listening to something on the phone, I listen to audiobooks when I drive. Um, it will start playing. It'll pick it up where I left off. I love that. So I get, when I get out of the car, the book stops. It pauses. When I get back in the car, it picks up. It's just, it's, it's like, it's like night rider. Uh, so you, those features you want, you may not know it, but you believe me, once you get used to them, you will, you will want them. Richard and Irvine, you're next. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hello, Richard. Hey, Leo. Good morning. Or I guess morning. afternoon now. Good afternoon. I kept uh, you on hold long enough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, two things, two questions, separate issues. I'm an architect and we use our website as our brochure. It works great for us. And when we go to lunch meetings or meetings where I don't want to haul a laptop around and show people a project or refer to our website, it occurred to me that one of these tablets would be perfect for that because it fits in a notebook. Now, I was looking at the ViewSonic, the G tablets that are coming out and uh, looking at the iPad and just, I don't need something, uh, we're not planning to do email with it. It's more just something to be able to take with us to our meetings. And you just want to show on. websites. You just want to show websites. Well, or if we have images, we'll have colored images or drawings, and we want to be able to show them that uh, their own project. Let's say we've done a presentation, but we don't want to haul around a computer. Uh, I'll tell you, know, you the limitations of tablets, and, and this is particularly a limitation on the iPad, but in general on tablets, they don't really render websites often uh, perfectly. If you have any flash on the website, you can't use an iPad. Period. Well, we, I don't. I'm not interested in the iPad that much. I'm a big fan of Android. Uh, our yeah. phone. We have HTC phones. Andro- Android, Android does support. Android does support uh, Flash, and the newer right. uh, tablets with the uh, Tegra Two uh, dual core processor actually perform pretty well. Flash on a on a cell phone isn't usually very good because it's just gotten it's kind of a constrained resource. But it works pretty well on a uh, on a tablet. Um, I haven't played with the ViewSonic. Um, my current favorite tablet is the Samsung, and that's going to come out. The 10.1 is coming out, uh, I think, June 6th. Um, I don't know. Uh, the G tablet is using 2.2.1. Um, it is only 1024 by 600 because it's a 7-inch tablet. So you should... Uh, they, have a, they have a 10-inch one, I believe. Oh, they do have a 10-inch now? Oh, good. Okay. Yeah, I You're went online and read a lot. Screen. They said the main problem is the software. A lot of people will flash it and and basically install different software operating. Yeah, the problem right now with uh, Android tablets is that the operating system Google released for tablets, Honeycomb, wasn't done and is was pretty awful. Now, that now I haven't tried 3.1. It is now being pushed out for the Motorola Zoom, and uh, I understand I'll be getting it on the Galaxy in the next week. Um, that's supposedly better. The only other criticism is that the side-to-side viewing rate isn't great. If you get too far to the side of it, you lose. The- well, that might be a that might be a ViewSonic issue. The uh, Samsung uses an IPS display, the same kind of display that is used on the iPad, and it's pretty good. Okay. Well, when you, you have, know, I have to be honest. If all you're going to be doing is viewing web pages, and web page compatibility is your number one 
concern, you might want to look at a Windows tablet because then you're going to have full Windows on there and all the capabilities of a Windows machine. Admittedly, it's not ideal for anything else, but for that one purpose, it might give you the best results. Yeah, who makes a good Windows tablet that's at least the 10-inch size? Well, there the, there are a number of very good uh, convertibles. For instance, uh, my favorite is from Lenovo, the... Uh, um, uh, can't remember the uh, designation now. I think it's the 220 uh, X220 is very uh, very nice, but it's a it's a laptop that then you flip around and becomes a tablet. If if what you want to do is show the your user the best you know example of what the website looks like, that would be a good choice. But that's not going to be as lightweight as a tablet. Yeah, I have. We actually have some Toshiba's the uh, the flip around ones and right. those, but. I'm, again, I'm still looking for something that can fit more in a notebook and is not a, a whole computer. The advantage of the ViewSonics is they've been out for a while. I don't think ViewSonic is necessarily going to make the best hardware, but they have been out for a while, which means there are good ROM replacements, as you've noticed. Yeah. So you can you can update it. You can you can put a better ROM on there. Um. I don't think that they are as good as perhaps some of the newer tablets. Um, Asus is going to make some. Everybody's making them. Acer announced they're going to make some. Do you want to annotate on the tablet? Do you want to draw on it? Do you want to circle things and say, look at this? Yeah, that's a possibility, but we have plenty of programs to do that with. Okay, okay. I can always put Photoshop on it and open things in Photoshop to be able to do that. I would say my my favorite, and you've got to look at it because it's as thin and light as the iPad, which is really part of its attractiveness, is this Samsung 10.1. The Galaxy 10.1. That'll be out next week. It will be shipping with Honeycomb 3.1, which is supposedly much improved. And that's got 3G or 4G. That's another thing. Does, ah, oh, good point. No, it does not. You'd have to either get a 3G card. They are going to have 3G, but I don't know if that'll be available next week. I think you're going to have to wait a little bit on that one. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Started waiting. The earth began to cool, the autotrophs began to drool, Neanderthals developed tools, we built a wall. We built the pyramids, math, science, history, unraveling the mystery that all started with a big bang. Since the dawn of man is really not that long, as every galaxy was formed in less time than it takes to sing this song. A fraction of a second, and the elements were made. The Bible stood up straight, the dinosaurs all met their fate. They tried to leave, but they were late, and they all died. They the oceans in Vegeta, see a wooden bar to be a set in motion by the same Big Bang. It Didn't take him long to find that, Kyle, once again. The Big Bang Theory theme. Big Bang. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. 8888-ASK-LEO, that's the phone number. We're talking about computers and the internet and all that stuff. and Geeking out. Geeking out. Barrett, it's great. They got Cake doing a Chuck. Bare Naked Ladies doing Big Bang Theory. I mean, this is good. They're getting some big band, big bands doing this stuff. You're not the boss of me, man. Who was that? Was the, the they might be giants for? Um, uh, what was that show? Was it? Was it uh, Malcolm in the Middle? Kansas City. Tim Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Tim. Hey, Leo. How you doing? I'm great. 
How are you? I'm doing great. Well, that's a good. I got a little bitty problem here. Yes, sir. I've got uh, something eating up my hard drive, and I search it out, and the extension is .msp, like in Moon Sam Papa. Hmm. I've got like 5,200 of these files, and I've got a little 40-gig hard drive, and it's just it's eating them all up. Yeah, and I went into the, to the, some of the help desks, and some of them said, go through the, uh, the reg edit and go through each no. one to see if something's no. attached to it. Don't That's... listen to those nitwits. <laughs> those are all hot fixes. You cannot delete those. Okay. Those are all patches, you know, when you go Windows Update? Yep. You need them. Your problem is not those. Your problem is a 40-gig hard drive. Well, that's what the the guys trying to sell me bigger hard drives are telling. I don't know how you live with a forty gig. I uh, you know I got uh, sixty four gigs in my MacBook Air and I ran out of room real quick. And Windows is bigger. A lot of audio. I don't have a lot of video. It's mostly data, and uh, I don't don't have a lot of that stuff. But I, I know. But Windows itself is ginormous. All those MSP files are Windows files. Yep. That's Windows, dude. So I'm so uh, forty gigs is forty gigs is enough just for Windows. I think twenty gigs is enough probably for Windows Seven. But uh, you're going to have a hard time no, getting by with forty gigs. And has, I think you're experiencing that. You've filled it up. I've got a little netbook that's 160 gig, and I went into it to see if it's getting eaten up by MSP files, and it has a fraction of the uh, MSP files. That the uh, the Dell does. What uh, version of Windows are you running? Uh, XP and both of them. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm, all I can say is you cannot delete those MSP files. Okay. Um, you've got an old operating system, and there've been a lot of patches. <laughs> there've been a lot of patches over the years. It's been ten years. Yeah, that's another thing that I've heard, that uh, maybe I ought to leap into the t- uh, 21st century then. Well, I'm not sure I would on that computer. It's a pretty old computer, I'm guessing. Um, okay. Thanks. I think you're kind of, I get a bigger hard drive. Now, is there, it's a desktop? It's a laptop. Ah. It's Baron. Ah. Yeah, so you can't put a second drive in there. What you would have to do is get a copy the contents, duplicate the contents of your existing drive onto an, another drive, and then put it in, and that's kind of non-trivial with a laptop yeah yeah so um what i would say is uh don't delete the msp files do look for other files you can delete you know there's some very useful programs that will let you visualize what's eating up room on your hard drive i suspect it's not the msp files but it might be that you have one large file that you didn't realize you had well Um, i went into uh, uh windows slash installer and in using DOS, and go in and do a, a, a list star.msp, and it comes up with over. Stop 50 thinking. Files. Stop thinking about those MSP files. Say again. <laughs> Don't. You're, you're fixated on those files. Sorry, you're stuck with them. Okay. All <laughs> right. Stop fixating on those and look elsewhere. Do you have hibernation turned on, for instance? How, big, how much RAM do you have on that computer? I do hibernate usually every day. Yeah, hibernate will eat up exactly as much disk space as you have RAM. How much RAM is on that computer? Oh, it's tiny. It's uh, less than uh, less than five twelve. 
like three ninety oh, something. Well, that's not gonna that's not gonna eat up that much space. Ram, yeah, yeah. I would turn off hibernation though, because that does eat eat up uh, hard drive space. Okay. So um, that's easy to do in the power, you know, uh, control panel. Yep. Um, you don't need hibernate daily. Hibernate is uh, it's a it's a form of sleep that allows it to go into a super low power state, effectively off. Right. And uh, and then restore the RAM from the hard drive. So it eats up a lot of hard drive space. And uh, frankly, sleep is fine. If you're doing it every day, you don't need to do hibernate. You would only do hibernate if you're going to turn it. uses the hard drive just to park it, doesn't it? I mean, it doesn't yeah. leave it in no, there. Yeah. It, 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 no, but well, yeah, it does. It leaves a big hibernate file on the hard drive. Ah. Maybe I should look for the hibernate. Or the, uh... Hi, yeah, I would just turn off hibernation. You don't want to delete that file. Just turn it off because it will recreate it the minute you uh, hibernate it again. Just turn off hibernate. You don't need hibernation. It's a, it's it's really unnecessary. Sleep is fine. Well, I like hibernate because when I'm finished with it, I can close the lid. Same thing with sleep. It's just a different kind of sleep. Hibernate is a very low power sleep that will let you do it over a period of many days. If you're do, if you're using the computer every day, sleep is fine. But I can just, I can go into hibernate and turn the thing off, the laptop off, and right. unplug it. Right. With sleep, I can't. I can't unplug it. Or I can't. It doesn't really. Right. right? Yeah. I I can't help you if you don't want to turn it off. Okay. Then you're gonna have to find some other big file. <laughs> you really need either a new computer or a bigger hard drive. Truthfully, um, Hibernate is a convenience that allows you to re. I don't think it's a very good idea in general. If you really want, if you want to turn it off, turn it off. Let it boot up. Uh, not rebooting Windows is is uh, not a good idea either. Windows needs to be rebooted once in a while. It's not it's not uh, a perfect operating system. Uh, if your computer doesn't sleep well, then may I guess Hibernate. But I I don't personally think Hibernate's a very good idea. Hibernate is um, and in most computers, by the way, it's off by default. But uh, people sometimes turn it on. The other thing you could do is, uh, and maybe this is a good idea, back up your data and reinstall Windows to kind of start from scratch. Your temp directory, take a look at that. Your cache files, take a look at that. Restarting, uh, re, you know, clean installing your system will probably fix this. 40 gigs should be enough if there's not a lot of large files on there. But I think there's a lot of temp files and other stuff. Don't delete the MSP files. I know he's going to do that, though, isn't he? You know he is. He's going to call me in about three weeks. <laughs> Say, my computer won't work. <laughs> it's, it's all messed up. I deleted the MSP file. And then there was this big thing called a swap file. I deleted that. And then the Windows kernel, that was huge. So I got rid of that. 8888-ASK-LEO. That's the phone number. I can't stop you from killing your computer if you want to. It's not my job. Leo Laporte, the ticket.
This portion of the Tech Guy Show is brought to you by Carbonite.com. It's backup done right. Automatic, off-site, try it free right now. Carbonite.com, offer code LEO. Leo Laporte, the Tech Guy, 8888-ASK-LEO. I cannot oversell the idea of a fresh install, especially for Windows. It is a... Uh, something I do probably every six months, or it's just satisfying to me. It feel it's like spring cleaning, and here we are. It's spring. Why don't you try it? Uh, it you know, for our last caller who was running out of space on his forty gig drive, for people who are experiencing slowness or so forth, it really can make a big difference. Uh, the process is sometimes called a clean install. It will vary depending on. Uh, how you install Windows on your system. Some systems, the best systems, come with a full Windows install disk. If you've got that, it's easy. If you don't have that, you the next level down is a system restore disk, which is, in fact, a full Windows. It's just an image of the computer hard drive as it was when it came to you from the factory. That's, that's good. If you've got that, too, that's great. Uh, in some cases, in fact, now in the majority of cases, you don't get disks with your new computer. You're either told to make disks or you're told reinstall from a hidden partition on the hard drive. So you'll want to find out from your manual or your support people or whoever you've got what what system they have provided for reinstalling Windows. And if you don't have one, that's not good. Everybody needs to do this at some point. I don't know of a single computer. I mean, computers should ship with an operating system. Unfortunately, because Microsoft is so paranoid about piracy, they really discourage that. They try to get the uh, the hard the uh, hardware manufacturers not to ship a copy of Windows. I'd hold out for one, even if it costs you. I would hold out for one, and you know, if worst case, you may have to go out and buy a copy of Windows. So, whatever you've got your copy of Windows or your Windows installer or your system recovery discs. Uh, in your other hand, you have copies of all the applications that you have installed or serial numbers if you want to download and reinstall. Everything you need to install the apps and the operating system. Now, step one, back up your data. You could do it with something like Carbonite. That makes it very easy, although it, it, if you haven't been doing Carbonite all along, it's going to take too long. You won't be able to do it this week. So I would say get an external hard drive. Good thing to have. An external hard drive that is at least as big as your internal hard drive. And just copy your the documents folder, the my pictures folder, the or you can copy the whole documents and settings folder or your home folder. But you want to try to get everything. If you've used Windows encryption, that's more complicated. Uh, I'll leave that to you to figure out. You have to back up your certificates. It's very complicated. But if you're not using encryption on your hard drive, you just back up the data to an external drive. Nice, you got it. Check it. Make sure you got a full copy. Everything's there. Now, uh, what you want to do is run the Windows installer. And uh, you're going to get to a point where the Windows installer says, whoa, hold on, you've got a copy of Windows. And you say, yeah, I want to erase that drive. So you actually go into a, kind of a sub-menu that allows you to repartition and reformat the drive. And you really want to do that. You want to run the formatter on that drive. Then reinstall Windows clean. Then in, then before you reinstall your apps, you've got a, a booting system that it just boots into plain old Windows. The very next thing to do is run Windows Update and run it and run it and run it until there are no more critical patches. This may take a while. It may 
These are all those MSP files he was talking about. These are it may you may require multiple reboots, but run it until Windows Update says you've got everything. There are no more critical fixes to install. That's very important. You want to do that before you do anything else. This would be a good time, by the way, to make an image of your hard drive so you don't have to do this again. That external drive you bought for the backup, I hope there's enough space to also create an image. There are a number of free imaging programs that will do this. One that we've recommended before is from a company called EaseUS. They make a free backup program that will make a bootable image of your hard drive. That's a great idea. Uh, the idea being, if you've got this image, you no longer need those Windows install disks or the system recovery disks. You've got a hard drive, or you, you could burn it to a CD or a DVD probably, because it's pretty big, that will let you you know, kind of restore your system to this state with all the fixes and all the updates uh, in just a few minutes. Save you a lot of time down the road. Very important. Very important to have this. So now you got Windows up to date. Now you can install your apps. Make sure you update those, too. In fact, if you downloaded those apps as opposed to installing them from a disk, probably a good idea not to take the existing downloads, but to start over. Download the latest version of all of those. You did save the serial numbers. I told you to. And reinstall. Don't reinstall everything. Install only the things you know you want you're going to use. This is part of the value of doing a clean install, is there's a lot of stuff on your hard drive you don't use, really. Just occupying space, possibly even other resources. Why reinstall it if you're not going to use it? I would say install the minimum number of apps that you that you use, that you know you'll need, and then install the rest as needed. That way you don't clog up your hard drive with a bunch of other stuff. Then you can restore your data. Oh, I left out an important step. Right after you update all the critical patches and everything, really I would highly recommend getting a security program on there. We have Nod32 as our sponsor. That's a great one. You can always use Windows Security Essentials. That's free, Microsoft.com slash Security Essentials. But get a security program on there and update it and make sure it's running in the background. That's just like a little extra support for you so that you're not uh, running naked in the world, out in that bad world. Just a little something. Something, something to protect you. Then you can restore your application, the rest of your applications, your data. Probably a good idea to scan that data before you install it, make sure nothing bad's on there. And I think you will notice if you do this, and I do this regularly, that your system runs faster, more reliably. Even if it's old XP, it runs faster, more reliably, and it, and it importantly, will be very much smaller. You know, all of those MSPs files will be consolidated in some cases into, um, you know, individual uh, system packs and so forth. So it can, it can, it can save a lot of space. So there you go. Hey, we were talking about Carbonite. Let me quickly do a Carbonite commercial, then we'll get back to the phones in a second, because Carbonite is another way you could do this. If you've been using Carbonite all along, this is pretty trivial. Carbonite is backup, online backup. That's very important. It's not sitting next to your computer. So if there's a fire or something really bad happens, maybe somebody steals everything, you still got a backup safe in the, on the Internet. Encrypted, too, if you want, so it's private on the Internet. Now, that's one of the real advantages of Carbonite. Once you've run Carbonite and it's done the full backup, that can take a while because it uses your internet access. Now you have a copy of all your data in the cloud that you can access anywhere. You don't have to wait for a disaster. Just log on to your Carbonite account on a, on a Mac, on a PC, even on a smartphone. They have smartphone applications for all the big platforms, free. Then you got your data. It's a great way to make your data accessible to you anywhere you go. Restore is easy. So this is a great thing to have if you're going to do this you know, quarterly or yearly system refresh, you've got all your data, it's a snap. You just log on to the Carbonite account, restore everything. 
And the price is right. Unlimited backup. All the data on your internal drive for less than 5 bucks a month. Carbonite.com. You can try it free for two weeks. Go to Carbonite.com. Use my name, Leo. If you decide to buy, go back to Carbonite.com. Use my name, Leo. Again, you'll get 14 months for the price of two. Two months free. You got to back it up to get it back. So do it right. Carbonite. Jeff is in Arizona. Hi, Jeff. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Yeah, hi, Leo. Good to hear you. Um, nice to talk to you. Yeah, good. Good to. I'm listening to you on KFI here. We, the great K. Wow, you all the way to Arizona. Wow, that's cool. No, no, no we get nori at nighttime uh, when propagation's good, but I listen to you on the computer. That's good. Yeah, the inter- the internet, iHeartRadio. Exactly. Um, Yay. It's kind of different. I'm looking for not a smartphone, but a dumb phone. <laughs> We're in the middle of nowhere. Main priority is a phone uh, that I can pull an extendable antenna up on. Oh, nobody makes those anymore. Well, there's a few of them, and even mil specs, but I, I don't. Let me let me look, Jeff. That's a that's a great question. Hang on, we'll get to your answer right after this. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Leo Laporte, the tech guy, 8888-ASK-LEO. Here's a question we don't get a lot. Jeff is looking for a dumb phone. <laughs> um, and, you know, one of the things that happened with uh, with cell phones, uh, I'm sure you remember, is that all in the old days, all cell phones had extensible antennas. And uh, the reason I, you know, this came up is when the Apple iPhone design uh, came out and they had that antenna gate. They had the problem because... The antenna on the iPhone, like all modern cell phones, is internal. Apple actually put a metal strip around the iPhone 4, and by holding the phone in such a way that you're, in effect, holding the antenna, you're able to attenuate the signal and it would go down to nothing. But that's the same thing that happens. You remember on the old phones where you had the extensible antenna, if you held the antenna on the old phone, same exact thing would happen. What uh, phone manufacturers realized is that customers didn't want extensible antennas because they kept breaking. They'd break them off and you have to go get a new antenna. Remember those days? So they all modern cell phones have the antennas internally. Is that as good? No, it's not. Is it likely to get attenuated by holding it wrong? Yes, it is. But it's, uh, you know, in this case, the form is, is determined by the market and what the market wants and... Uh, They've decided that we don't want extensible antennas. So you're right, Jeff. The phones with extensible antennas are few and far between. Um, some of the old Nextel phones, Sprint makes them now or sells them now, have antennas still. Um, I see them every once in a while. Um, but you're gonna have to you're gonna have to dig in the back of the uh, of the store to get most stores to sell them to you because most consumers just don't want them. Right. Uh, mill spec is not a bad idea, not because you're going to drop yours into a vat of acid, but just because those will, in fact, have better antennas and they'll be more robust. They'll be less likely to break. I don't know where you go to buy these things. If anybody in the, is listening and it, it works at a cell phone store and still sells them, let us know. Jeff's in Arizona, but I, I just would like to know. And 
And uh, Trip70 in the chat room and, and others are sending me to a website called RetroBrick.com, which is a, a love poem to the old cell phones, those big old brick phones that we carried around with, yes, extendable antennas. I remember my old Microtech and that extensible antenna. I can't tell you how many times I broke that sucker off. And, you know, I, don't, I think that, it, you know, in theory, certainly an extensible antenna is going to give you better results. But uh, I think modern phones are also more powerful and, and uh, modern cell systems are better. So I don't know if, I don't notice if phone calls drop more often than they used to, but except for uh, AT&T. Oh, I had this, the Ericsson 2T28. That was a great little phone. It had, instead of an extensible antenna, it had an antenna nubby that would stick out the top. That was a great phone. It's now now 12 years old. <laughs> so I don't, I don't have really a good answer for you, Jeff. Uh, the... the you know, I don't know who still sells these phones. Uh, sorry. And maybe somebody in the chat room does and can help him out. I certainly don't test them or review them, so I don't know what the best the best ones are. Uh, they just, you know, it's one of those cases where uh, market demand has killed something that really uh, was probably superior. Having an extensible antenna probably was superior, but nobody wanted them. Um. Dumb phones, every, every, everyone has dumb phones still. Uh, I think what you should probably, your best bet would be to go to an, in, not, not a company store, but an independent cell phone store. You know, a Parrot Cellular or something like that who sells, you know, you'll see out front, we sell AT&T, T-Mobile, Sprint, and Verizon phones. They're going to have the widest selection. And I found when I go to, I have to admit, when I go to the independent cell phone stores, those guys are smarter and know more in most cases because they have to. If you go to an AT&T store, they only have to know the AT&T phones. They really have to toe the company line. They've, you know, they've got a whole spiel that they follow. And they, it, they're not really required to be experts on this stuff. They just need to know the phones that they sell. But if you go to, into, into an independent cell phone store where they really are competing against the company stores, I find they're often very much more accommodating and helpful and knowledgeable. And uh, if you, you go in one of those stores and you find the right guy, we have a great guy here down here uh, at Petaluma Wireless named Damien. And I just go, if I have a question, I go in there and Damien knows it all. This is his business. And in order to compete, he needs, he needs to know everything. And if you go in there and say, hey, Damien, I need a good dumb phone with an extensible antenna, he'll have four behind the counter. Eric, somewhere in California, Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Eric. Hello, Leo. Um, as a response to someone who was looking for a dumb phone with the extendable antenna, I recently just took apart an older LG touchscreen phone. They actually had an extendable antenna, but wouldn't you know, when you look at the components inside, the antenna's connected to nothing. <laughs> what? Yeah. It, That's it's hysterical. Like I, I thought I read somewhere that they only really did that so people would just have a good mental feeling about that. It was pretty silly. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, there was a great article when AntennaGate happened, the iPhone problem happened by an RF engineer who designed antenna systems for cell phones. And I think I remember him saying that. Now, that wasn't true of all phones, but I do remember him saying that. It was part of the the evolution away from external antennas. That's right. pretty funny. It was connected to nothing. Yeah, absolutely wow. nothing. Just a piece of metal and a plastic tube, the end. Wow. <laughs> but but my main question is... um. So I was looking into possibly ordering a solid-state hard drive, and I know that they're still very much more expensive than physical hard drives, and I've been seeing a couple of sales around. I'm just wondering, is it really worth getting a solid-state?
state now or should I keep waiting or, or what are maybe the pros and cons of having physical or solid state? Uh, that's a great question. Let me let me take a – just hang on for a second. I want to do a quick break, make sure I get uh, my uh, uh, Nod32. Is it a Nod32 ad? I think so. Or a Carbonite ad. Yeah, Nod32. I want to get this in here before we get to the end of the hour. But I have so a lot to say about solid state drives. I have I have become a fan. But you have to be careful in purchasing. So we'll hang on just a second, Eric, because I really do want to talk about that. Before we do, though, I do want to also tell you about antivirus solutions. We were talking about security earlier, and golly, I got to make sure people understand that it's important. Your behavior is the most important thing, but it is absolutely important for you to have a good security system on your computer. But there are different kinds. Some will just blog you down like crazy and get in your way. Others are lightweight. They stay out of the way. They just protect you. That's what you want. That's why you want a product from ESET. This is my favorite antivirus company, ESET.com. They make cybersecurity for the Mac. Yes, we need it now. There are Mac viruses. I, I, I dreaded the day I'd be saying this, but there are. And uh, we, now, we now need to protect ourselves on the Mac. They have a big uh, educational component in there, too, which I think is important. It teaches Mac users, particularly, who haven't had to worry about this, what to do to protect yourself. Because, it's again, behavior is everything. And, of course, everybody knows about Nod32 for Windows. I hope you do. It's the best antivirus for Windows, period. Lightweight, fast, effective. You can get free antiviruses, but you get what you pay for. And if you want the best protection, you want ESET. For Mac, cybersecurity for the Mac from ESET, go to www.eset.com slash Mac for a free 30-day trial. Or go to Apple Stores, Micro Centers, and Fry's. They've got it. For Windows www.eset.com slash Leo. Again, 30-day trial free or call 866-935-ESET. And don't forget to favor, to like ESET USA on uh, Facebook to stay logged in or looped in, I should say, to their contest special offers and exclusive content. If you use Windows or Mac, you need non-32. ESET.com slash Leo for the PC. ESET.com slash Mac for the Mac. So what a great question. Um, I do think, Eric, that solid-state drives make a big difference in boot times, huge difference, and application load times, huge difference. Less so, although somewhat of a difference, in writing to the drive. It's mostly reading. Yes, the price per gigabyte, more than twice as much. It has been falling, but it's not, you know, of course, you will always pay less waiting, Eric. But uh, you will miss the benefit of it. So it's the same age-old question. Is it worth buying now? I'd say yes. In fact, I don't buy a new computer now that doesn't have a solid-state boot drive. Hmm. Yeah. On a laptop, that's the main drive. Uh, on a desktop, that means a small boot drive for applications and operating system and a larger spinning drive uh, for the, you know, the big, rich data. Because they don't, you're right, you know, you, what I'd like to do is buy a 64-gig or maybe 128-gig drive because they're so expensive. And make that be my boot drive. Right, right. And I've I'm, I'm been really big into uh, PC gaming. And I thought, you know, a solid state drive would be good if I were to just put my Windows installation on that. It does. It cuts down the load time for cutscenes, the load time for the next level. But once you're playing, it doesn't make much difference because it's playing out of memory. No, well, it does. It does make a difference. It's huge. When I play Portal 2, the difference between a solid state drive and a spinning drive in load times is huge. I do recommend you visit PCPER.com, PCPerspective.com. Alan Malventano, my good friend, is a solid-state drive expert. He's my expert, and he reviews them for PC Perspective and has a table there 
that tells you which drives are the best to get. It's PCPER.com. But yeah, I recommend it. I think it's great. If you've got the money, it makes a big difference. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Well, a good day to you. Leo Laporte here, the tech guy. And we're talking about computers and the internet and cell phones and camcorders and MP3 players and all that stuff. At 8888-ASK-LEO, that's my phone number. If you have a question or comment or suggestion, you want a little hand-holding on the information superhighway, that's what I'm here for, my friend. Gary calling from Los Angeles, listening to the great KFI in L.A. Hey, Gary. Hi. Hi, Leo. Uh, hopefully you can help me out on this. Uh, I have an XP dex- uh, desktop that uh, no longer recognizes my DVD drive. It uh, When I push the button, it opens up, closes up, uh, but just does not see it as a logical drive. And yeah, I've, yeah. I read something about uh, filters in the registry. And by the way, I was also hoping that I could mention my website. Okay, plug your website. Oh, okay. It's collectmystimulus.com. And what is collectmystimulus.com? It's a collection of financial solutions. Ah, oh, for the for the uh, economic downturn. That's correct, yes. Oh, that's great. Thank you. Collectmystimulus.com will give you a plug. You know, it's not unusual for this to happen, especially on XP. XP really had a big problem um in the early days uh it uh it would get confused the drivers they used were from roxio if you installed roxio's uh, cd creator on the computer it would break the driver that xp had used they've fixed that since but we've seen all sorts of little weird uh, incompatibilities with other software um for a while and certainly this is something to look at when you installed the real player on a windows xp system suddenly your your dvd player would be invisible you might take take a look if you've got the real player installed. Try uninstalling it or updating it. I'm sure they've fixed that bug by now. Uh, I guess my point is there are a lot of things that could break it. It's almost certainly software, although absolutely the hardware could be broken or the cable could have fallen off. could be all sorts of things. The ability to eject the CD only means that the cable is actually is attached, uh, but that's about it. It doesn't, it doesn't have anything to do with software. So I suspect there's more going on in there. One thing to look at is when you boot up the computer, you know how before you get to Windows, it flashes up some white text on a black screen. Sometimes that's hidden by the computer company's logo, by the Dell logo or whatever. But if you hit escape during that logo, you might be able to see what's underneath there. What you want to see is what drives does the computer see when I start up? Does it see the DVD drive along with the hard drives? Uh, If it doesn't, if you see the hard drives pop up but no DVD drive, well, then that means there's some physical issue. The computer isn't recognizing the drive. The drive's dead or the cable fell out or something like that. It's not a Windows issue. But if it sees the drive, the DVD drive, just the same way it sees the hard drive, then it's much more likely a Windows driver issue. 
And there are lots of things that can cause this. As I said, incompatibilities. One minor troubleshooting trick is to uh, go into the device manager in Windows, uh, usually right-clicking on the uh, My Computer icon, selecting Properties from the pop-up menu. Then, Then you can go to the device manager and look for the device manager for the DVD drive, delete it, reboot. Windows has that driver. Sometimes rebooting and letting it go through the plug and pray. I actually, that was a Freudian slip. The plug and pray process, it's actually plug and play, uh, will sometimes fix that kind of a problem. It's just very complicated. And, and, and there are a lot of different things that can cause it not to be seen. Most commonly, it's an incompatibility with some other program. Sometimes a program that you wouldn't think would affect it, like the real player. Um, moving on to Barbara in San Diego. Hi, Barbara. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Leo. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I have a student who will be starting college in the fall, and he is hitting me up for a laptop. So I want to kind of get your recommendation on what laptop, um, maybe a laptop and printer you'd recommend for a new college student. Isn't that exciting? Yes. My, my, my daughter started college last year. It's such an exciting time. Also a tough time for mom and dad, <laughs> but but uh, but really great. That's that's wonderful. Now I bought her. I'm just going to say what I bought her was a Mac, uh, Mac Pro MacBook laptop, a 13 inch. Uh, next year, uh, I'll, she, you know, she said I want something a little lighter. Next year, it probably be a MacBook Air if it's time for a new one. Um, but what you should do is start by asking your college freshman what he likes. Does he want a Windows or a Mac machine, for instance? He probably Windows actually. Yeah, he probably has a a pretty uh, good sense of what he wants to do. Now, one of the reasons teenage boys often want Windows is so they can game. That's part of it. And then the other part, he's doing engineering, so I think some of the... Yeah, for engineering, probably. Although, I'll tell you, you know, you go to uh, you go to most of these tech companies these days, they're almost all Macs, uh, because a Macintosh is based on the Unix operating system, which a lot of engineers use. It will depend very much on what the school uses and expects, what class, what his engineering classes expect. And you're right. You probably can't go far wrong on Windows. Uh, do you have a budget? Um, I Probably around $700. I, I want him something that will you know, be sturdy enough to, you know, for him to use. And he's going to, I think, use the mainframe a lot at the, at the university. Yeah. Oh, this is exciting. What school is he going to? Uh, he's going to Georgia Tech. Oh, wow. So from San Diego, he's going- far. He's going far away, but you know what? He's going to one of the best tech schools in the nation. Oh, yeah. He's, That's a great school. Oh, good for He must be very smart. He's, he's smart, but he's a boy, so we got to. <laughs> <laughs> Don't I know it? I have a, co- a high school sophomore. A big difference between the boys and the girls. I am a big fan of the Lenovo laptops, L-E-N-O-V-O, especially for a college kid. They have very good keyboards, so for doing a lot of writing, which they'll be doing, it's a great choice. Lenovo has a new, um, uh, very lightweight laptop that just came out that uh, many people are raving about uh, that might be worth looking at. Uh, let me see. Is it called the X? Chatroom, help me out. Is it the X1? I think it is. Yeah, the Lenovo X1. Very slim. Light's not a bad idea for a college kid because they tend to carry it around. I think that's what Abby complained about. She said, that 13-inch was kind of heavy to carry to class all the time. Um, so you might want to look at the super lightweight X1. They have Gorilla gr- Glass on the screen, which means it's very hard to break. That's a good thing. That's the main thing that breaks on laptops. 
uh, especially if he's a boy. It's going to get slung around a little bit. It has HDMI and DisplayPort out, which means he could hook up a TV and watch TV, watch movies on it and so forth. Okay. Oh, um, yeah, very lightweight, backlit keyboard, so uh, when the roommates say turn out the light, he can keep working. Um, I think these are good Dolby sound on it. These are really, and by the way, this is an example of a lightweight that doesn't make compromises on the power. It is uh, the new Sandy Bridge chipset, which is uh, very spectacular. Now, it's a little more than your budget. Oh, how much? Uh, uh, you know, the starting list is 1400 bucks. Okay. Yeah, yeah, but 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 I think that the reason is this is very this is a very very th- you know thin and light costs more, but they've put a lot of thinking into this, and I think that almost all the agree of uh, your viewers agree this is a spectacular, a spectacular laptop, the Lenovo ThinkPad X1. They have less expensive uh, ThinkPads. I think ThinkPads are great. The X220, for instance. Uh, which is uh, uh, their convertible is under a thousand. So there are other choices, um, but I have to say I'm I'm really impressed with this X1, and I think for it's kind of ideal for a student in terms of an engineering student, especially in terms of power, as well as a uh, uh, lightweight and um, and robustness. Okay, and do I need to worry anything about RAM um, memory or any of the? <clears throat> no, at that price, you should be well equipped. They're not, you know, you're going to get a four gig, you're going to get four gigs of RAM. It's going to be running Windows 7, 64-bit uh, hard drive. He doesn't need a super big hard drive. A lot of what he does will be stored on the university's servers. So, you know, I mean, games and music and stuff can take up space. So you probably want a 350 gigabyte or more hard drive. Okay. I hopefully won't be doing too much of that. But Yeah. Well, that's the problem. And that's one of the reasons you've got to keep aware of the fact that he wants a Windows machine, not just for engineering, but because it's got... The best games on it. Uh, I, I think this. I think any of the Lenovo's are going to be great for a student. It's what I would recommend. Leo Laporte, and congratulations, Leo Laporte, the tech guy. This portion of the Tech Guy Show is brought to you by my internet service provider, DSL Extreme, for high-speed internet at an amazing price. Call 866-2-GET-NET to get DSL Extreme. Mm-mm-mm. Uh, Karina in La Habra, Leo Laporte, the Tech Guy. Hi, Karina. Hi, Leo. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm I'm getting ready to go up to Lompoc. That's not close to you, but it's close enough. <laughs> well, have a nice day in Lompoc. Thank you. Leo, my mom and I are together on our cell phone package, and we're both retired. We want things simple as can be, and we're ready for an upgrade because uh, we both have some pretty old phones. Oh, All we want to do is call, get text. We get a lot of photo messages from family out of state and we're not real computer savvy i think i am 
but I don't like to admit it. <laughs> um, but we you want listen a simple to this phone. Sh- you listen to this show, Karina. You probably know a lot more than you admit. <laughs> yes, you're right. My girl. Who's your Who's your carrier? Do you want to stay with your carrier? Yeah, Verizon. Yeah, I. Uh, well, I stay with it because my mom wants Verizon because everybody else in the family has Verizon. So well, I think for I think that's a good choice. Now you don't have to get the same phone as your mom. You can get something more sophisticated uh, than your mom if you you know if you wanted to get a smartphone. But Verizon has quite a few uh, good choices in the kind of what they call feature phone. Hmm. These are non-smartphones, but they have things like you know the the messaging you were talking about is called MM, MMS messaging, and uh, and that you know the problem with getting a smartphone is you have to buy a data plan and it ends up being close to a hundred bucks a month for oh, no, a phone plus data and you don't want to spend that money if you're not going to use it you don't want to spend that money. No, we're we're both on a fixed income, so we need to really be yeah the money yeah yeah no and so that's that's the best reason to stay away from a smartphone. <laughs> Um, there are lots of, if you, I'm just looking through the feature phones, uh, at Verizon and my goodness, there are dozens of them. Oh, uh, it's overwhelming. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, you know, I have some preferences, but I don't, I haven't tried them all. I'm just looking at all of them and uh, there's so many, I couldn't say that, you know, my prep, my, one of my preferences, which is the uh, LG NV3, which I, which I quite like. Um, I don't know if that's better than the LG Cosmos because I haven't tried it. Uh, I think there are a lot of very good choices out there. Probably you should do is you should go to the Verizon store and and try a few of them and see, you know, if you if you like the uh, the features built into it. Sometimes, in some ways, feature phones can be more complicated than smartphones because they're so limited in their capabilities that they can't have an easy to use interface. They often have a very complicated interface on them. Uh, Samsung makes excellent phones. Uh, I think any of the Samsung phones, like, uh, uh, well, I'm just looking here. Looks like looks like the uh, Verizon is a particular fan of the LG phones, but they do have the uh, Samsung Intensity 2, which is a nice little phone. The Convoy, which is uh, one, one of those uh, push-to-talk phones. Very nice speaker phone. Oh, yeah, that's good. Okay. Push-to-talk would be nice for if you if it's you and your mom particularly because it's almost like having a walkie-talkie to your mom. You could talk directly with her. Uh, this is a pretty tough little phone. Pretty tough little phone too. I, 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 uh, you, you'd be pretty hard pressed to break this phone. That's the. That's called the Convoy. About the Convoy. I am. Okay. Yeah, I think that's a nice, a pretty nice phone. But again, I'm not an expert on uh, on these feature phones because there's so many of them, and I can't try them all. I pretty much stick with the smartphones. But I agree with you. There, don't feel pressure. From uh, you know everybody who's using smartphones to go out and get a smartphone, uh, it's going to cost you a lot of money, and a feature phone probably is is good enough. You might uh, you 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 know uh, if it's just texting and phone calls, any phone is going to do that. Okay. My chat room is saying you should, if you want to save money, you should look at Virgin Mobile, uh, and they use the Sprint network. But it sounds like your mom says I'm not moving off Verizon, so I'd I'd stick with Verizon. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Karina. It's great to hear from you. You're a geek. I know you are. I give you credit. Um, there, there, there's a lot of good choices. And because, you know, to be honest, because the market's moved to smartphones, these are cheap. Cheap phones to start with. You can get a certified pre-owned convoy for free from Verizon. I like the push-to-talk feature. 
uh, if it's just you and your mom and that's mostly who you're calling, it's really nice to be able to instead of make a call, phone call, just push the button. Say, Mom, I'm at the grocery store. You want some more of those pork rinds? And she can say, yeah. Consumer Reports does review these. So does CNET. Stephen, you're right. Stephen in our chat rooms reminded me you, get, you can still get reviews on these kinds of phones uh, from both CNET, CNET.com, and uh, Consumer Reports. Uh, com. And I think they do a good job of, of reviewing all the different ma- makes and manufacturers. There's just too many for me to keep track of. Mike in Upland, Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Uh, hi, Leo. How you doing? Great, Mike. How are you? Okay. I'm a, a little contractor. I need uh, some advice on a getting my website built. I've been contacted by Yodel. Um, they're asking for over $600 a month. Ah! Ah! There's a lot of these guys uh, out there, Yellow Pages are doing it too, who really kind of take advantage of uh, people who say, I know I need a website, but I have no idea what to do. Yes, sir. And, uh, and they'll really overcharge you for something that is very, very basic. You know, saying things like the Yellow people, Pages people say, well, you know, uh, this is the next Yellow Pages, and people are going to go to yp.com and find you. No. How are people going to find you? Google. Google first, second, third, last. Google. So when Yodel or, or somebody like that says, oh, no, we have a directory. You want to be in our directory. I don't know anybody, anybody who goes to Yodel to find a contractor. They go to Google, right? Yes, sir. How do you do it? Google. Google. You don't go to Yodel. So Yodel's 600 buck fee is based on the idea that well, people, but when you people are going to come to us to find you, no, they're not. I don't know anybody who does that. You, you know, so what? Uh, so, what, I think all you really need to do is have a website that will show up in Google, and that you're done. And you could do that in a lot of cheap and easy ways. Uh, WordPress.com is free. Uh, you could set up a site for free if you want something a little better. Squarespace.com is twelve bucks a month. That's a that's a one fiftieth of the cost. Uh, you set up a site, you make it look good, you put information in there. Mike, if you really want to drive traffic, you you keep it up to date. You don't make it just a, a a static brochure, but you you know you write a little column from the contractor with some advice, something that will drive more people there, and you will you will do better. Much better than you'd ever do by paying hundreds of bucks to somebody like the Yellow Pages or Yodel. I just don't think it's worth it. Okay, Yodel's claim was that they could put get it uh, organic up on no, the, on no, the page. no, they can't. All right, that's that's what it's a, it's a snake oil that's called SEO, search engine optimization. Okay, it's not it's snake oil. It's certainly not worth six hundred bucks a month. Thank you, Leo. You're welcome, Mike. Thank you. I'll talk a little more about this after the break, because this is a big story, I think. Leo Laporte, the tech guy.
<laughs> That's what we say to Yodel. Find another fool to love you. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. If you are a small business person, you get these calls all the time from all sorts of salespeople. You know, let's face it. If you were the yellow pages, if you are the yellow pages, you're scared to death. Because people don't use the yellow pages very much anymore. Uh, I guess some people do, but don't you see the writing on the wall that pretty soon all anybody will do when they're looking for a place of business is Google it? I would think so. Not only because everybody's got a computer these days, but all the smartphones, same thing. So if you're, if you're a business, and by the way, the good news is Google's free. So if you're a business, what should you do to make sure that people who are Googling you, or I, I don't want to even say it that way, the people who are looking for you will find you. Should you pay $600 a month to yodel.com or yp.com? No. No. Because people don't use those sites to find things. Uh, they use Google. So you don't have to crawl. You can crawl. You can, you can stand up. We have people in the studio crawling to stay out of the line of fire. That's okay. I won't yell at you. So so I will yell at, at yodel.com and then these other sites, however, because I think they really are misrepresenting what they can do. They cannot, all you have, here's what you need. You got to have a website. Number one, if you're, if you're a business, and I don't care what kind of business, if you're a chiropractor, a contractor, a dentist, a restaurant, a florist, a dog walker, at least have a website. Um, you don't need to be an expert to make a website. It's easy. Now, we have an advertiser, squarespace.com, that I like a lot. They make very professional-looking websites very easy. They are not free, however. They're 12 bucks a month. Um, now, that's not a whole lot for a business, but that, but if, but that's, I should, should be aware of that. There are free ways to do it. Probably the best free way that I know, there's two of them, is wordpress.com and blogger.com. Both of these are free because they're ad-supported. So other people's ads may be on your site. That's one advantage of paying 12 bucks a month to somebody like Squarespace is no ads, just your. You're the ad. But if, if, you, if you don't want to spend the money, uh, WordPress.com makes it very easy. They'll give you a template. Uh, you can design the blog, set it up. Again, the more content, the more updates, the fresher you keep it, the more likely people will come back to it. But really, the job one is just to have something people will find when they Google you. If you don't have a website, there's nothing for them to find. This might be something for everybody to kind of keep in mind in terms of how, how you're reflected on the web. More and more, that's what people search for, right? Is if, if, you, if you want to date somebody, they're going to look your name up on, on Google, aren't they? If you want a job, they're going to Google you. So it's not a bad idea to be proactive. If you don't put something on the nets and somebody else is, those other things are going to show up, not you. So you, it's almost offensive. You've got to have a website. You've got to have a presence. If you're a business, if you have a place of business, you should absolutely make sure that it's on Google Places. Places.google.com. Again, it's free. So if you're on Places.google.com, you have uh, an entry on Google for your web page, and you have an entry on Google for your place of business. So uh, my place of business is Twit LLC. So if you Google Twit, uh, and 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 you'll see there'll be a places entry for Twit. 
if you go there, well, let's see. Hmm. Uh, maybe if you go Twit LLC, because that's what the technically the entry is, Twit LLC. Yeah, there it is. So if you go to Twit LLC, you'll see the place page. It's the second item down. It's got a red, uh, little red place marker. Click that place page. That I set up with a picture of the place, directions, and most importantly, a place for reviews. Now, I don't really need reviews, but if you're a restaurant or a contractor, reviews are very important. Those reviews are powered by Yelp, which is the number one review engine out there. By far. So you get recommendations, you get photos, you get details like where to park, reviews from around the web, reviews by Google users. More. This is very valuable. You want this. If you have a place of business, a contractor, that may not be as important. You don't have a storefront, but... Uh, if, you, if you're a chiropractor, if you're a dog walker, you have a place of business, it's important that you make one on Google Places. A web page and a Google Places entry are kind of the fundamental thing that you should have because that's what's going to show up in a Google search. And even in a local search, you know, if you, if you type pizza San Francisco, that's probably not as good an example as a small town. Let's say pizza Irvine or Irvine, California. You're going to see a Google listing that shows all the pizza places in Irvine, California. Now, if you're a pizza place and you aren't on that list, you don't exist. Yeah, maybe people will look in the yellow pages, maybe. Maybe they'll call 411, maybe, because a buck 50, maybe not. Or they, if you wanted to find a pizza, ask yourself your own behavior. If you wanted to find a pizza place in a town new, that you were new to, what would you do? you would Google the name of the town in a pizza, right? So you better show up in this listing on Google or you don't exist for those people. And I'd say that's 80 or 90% of the searches of the, of the customers are going to search that way. They're going to get directions. They're going to get reviews. It's just an important way to do it. So let's see, pizza near Irvine, California, New York. Number one was New York's Upper Crust Pizza. Let me click that. There's a picture of the restaurant, there's an address, there's a phone number, there's a link to the website, got to have that website, and there's reviews. And I'm looking at the reviews, hmm, horrible pizza, bad, bad, bad. Great service, incredible pizza. You know, all reviews are mixed. Nobody, nobody loves everything. I love the Sicilian pizza. So now I can read the reviews. I mean, look, in three seconds, I've got a picture, I've got a location, I've got a map, I've got a phone number, I've got a website, and I've got reviews. Now, how... I've even got transit directions. Isn't that great? This this is the way people look. And did I pay $600 a month to yodel.com? No. And in fact, if this pizza place did, they wasted their money because I never went to yodel.com. Yodel's saying, well, we got them to number one. on the, And that's not true. How do you get to number one on Google? By other people linking to you. Now, this is important. If you're that contractor... And you want to get people to link to your site. Well, if it's just a brochure, you're probably not going to get links. You certainly should go to all the people you do business with, your bank or, you know, your suppliers. And you should say, hey, I'll link to you. I'll say, hey, I, when, you know, whenever we need uh, number nine drywall screws, I get them from Ace Hardware. I'll put that link on my site if you put a link back to me on your site. That's a good thing to do, those kinds of link exchanges. Because the more high-quality sites that link to you, the higher ranked on Google you'll be. That's something Yodel really doesn't and can't do. And if they start doing that too aggressively, Google can actually remove you from their search listings or derank you, which is worse than anything. 
be, don't, you know, so you want to just, you want good quality content. Now, if you start writing your own content, if you have from the contractor and it's useful tips that show up in searches, that's even better. People might link to your article. That's even better. That raises, raises your ranking. You, you get what you put into this and it's not money. It's time. It's effort. It's quality. You really, you really want quality. Yeah, Dr. Mom, uh, is, there's two ways to verify your place. Uh, one is with a phone number that's listed, which I couldn't do because ours is not. So I, Google sent me a postcard. It took a few days. I got a postcard at the address that I said was my studio. I, I got a code on that postcard. I went to Google Places. I entered that. And now it's an owner-verified location. And that's what you want. It's worth it. Not a lot of effort, really. Um, and, and yet it's, uh, it, the returns are fantastic and it didn't cost you anything. Now your time is worth money. I understand, but honestly, you're going to get better results if you do this and it isn't, it's going to take you this afternoon. It's well, it's well worth it. Do that. Don't, don't give Yodel 600 bucks. That's nuts. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. The Tech Guy. God bless the USA Memorial Day weekend and our very special Tech Guy show. Where's my uh, Uncle Sam hat? Right now. John, yeah, would you pass that to me, Stasha? Because I, I think I need to wear this for this next segment. Dick D. Bartolo is here. <laughs> the Gizwiz, Mad Magazine's maddest writer. Our gadget guru. Hello, Dickie D. Leo, how you doing? Very, very well. Happy Memorial Day weekend. Do you have any traditions on Memorial uh, yeah, Day weekend? Frankfurters in the backyard. That do you cook them? No, I just put Frankfurters in the backyard. <laughs> it's just a crazy, wild tradition. You throw them out there, the squirrels get them. I it's throw, great. Yeah. yeah, and the ones from last year are still there. I really, I don't know. Well, that's one of the beauties of modern day Frankfurters. They really never go bad. No, that's true. Mm. That's true. Mm. Yeah. So the Gizwiz on the Tech Guy is a feature we do every every week. Dick comes up with some crazy gadget. In this case, a very patriotic gadget. Yeah, you know, I wanted to do something patriotic, as you said, and I've—I don't think I've ever done anything from the warehouse on on the radio show, but I did this because I did a a, a web search, and you can still buy it on Amazon. It's called the Wave. It is the world's first realistic waving flag that does not need wind. <laughs> That's funny because op- there's so much wind here in the studio. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if, if if we had a regular flag here, we could just wear it out in about an hour. With, <laughs> and, but it's the, the self-waving flag. A self-waving it, it, flag. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it's pretty neat. And it plays songs as it waves. Wow. It's actually waving in the box. It's very realistic. Yeah, it's great. It was developed by the... Uh, Co-inventor of the Atari 2600 oh. and the co-inventor of Furby. 
And yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty neat. It's about 17 inches high. It plays three different songs. And as I said, still available on Amazon for 40 bucks. Well, if you, now, it's, it, now, it's now, not it's, huge. It's, it's kind of, it's, it's 17 a, inches high. Okay. The flag itself is, uh, let me just take a quick look. Uh, the flag I'm going to get. It's kind of like a coffee like, table flag. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like seven by nine, six by eight, something like that. But if you order it now, you could have it by 4th of July. <laughs> Dickie D, he, his website has all the information, gizwiz.biz. While you're there, don't forget to uh, take the What the Heck Is It Challenge. If you can guess what that crazy doodad is, you can win an autographed copy of Mad Magazine or just come up with a good answer that's not, even if it's not right. Uh, gizwiz.biz. Dick also does a daily uh, show or a weekly show for us called the Weekly Daily Gizwiz. Hence my confusion. It's called Daily, yeah. but it only comes out every week. Exactly. And and four times a month, if you want to. Yeah. And if you, you just should listen to it every day. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we'll be doing that right after the show. That's why Dick's here. He just kind of likes to come and, and mooch, eat our food, and then we do the show. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Let me reach out. Let me just take that. <laughs> ah, ah, ah. All right, Dick, we'll talk to you in a few minutes. I'll be here. And meanwhile, we're going to get, uh, I think, one or two more calls on the show. We've got uh, a little more time before we do that, though. I would like to tell you a little bit about the best darn backup solution I've ever used. It's the one I use myself. It's called Carbonite. Now, in my opinion, a good backup has two features. One, it's automatic, because I am not going to remember. I bet you're the same. You know, we always think, oh, I'll back it up. I'll make make sure I always back it. And no, you forget. So Carbonite does it whenever you're online automatically. It's saving your stuff up to the internet in a polite way. It doesn't use up your, you know, your bandwidth, doesn't use up your computer it, it, in the background without slowing you down. Uh, but the other thing that's great about it, it's, it's to the internet. So now that's important because if you're backing up, and you probably should still do this, I think it's good to have more than one backup solution. But if you're backing up to a local drive, that's all well and good. But what if there's a tornado, a fire, a flood? What if somebody steals all your stuff? Your backup's going to go with it. So you've got to have a backup in a second place. And the internet's perfect for that. Because now, once you've done that, anywhere you go, you can log on to your Carbonite account on a PC or a Mac, and there's your data. There's all your files. They're available to you at any time. It's cloud storage. It also works on your smartphone. They have free apps for the iPhone, BlackBerry, and Android phones. So it is super sweet. I want you to try it right now, free for two weeks. Go to Carbonite.com, C-A-R-B-O-N-I-T-E, Carbonite.com. Use my name, Leo. If you decide you want to buy it, it's less than 5 bucks a month for all the data on your internal drive, unlimited. 5 bucks a month, $59 a year. And you'll get 14 months for the price of 12 if you use my name, Leo, again. So you got to use my name, Leo. Carbonite.com. Look, you got to back it up if you want to get it back. So do it right with Carbonite. I think we might have time for one or two more calls. Let's start with Tom in Huntington Beach. Hey, Tom, Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hello, Tom. Hello. Hey, Tom. Welcome to the show. What can I do for you? Oh, hi, uh, Leo. I enjoy your program. Thank hey, you, I, sir. Uh, my old computer I gave to my wife about a year ago, and then she had some eye surgery and had trouble seeing it. So I fooled around and made different colors, like the text was green on a yellow background. She's fine now. I try to get it back to normal, and I can't. It, <laughs> uh, Windows XP? Yeah, it's Windows XP. Yeah, yeah. There, you, you, there are default color settings that you want to go back to. I think that was a really clever solution, though. Good for you for doing that. Yeah. Um, you need to open the Display Properties Control Panel and 
Probably the best thing to do would be to load an existing theme in the themes tab because themes include colors uh, for text and everything else as well as desktop background and so forth. If you load an existing theme, it'll go back to a default theme. You can change the colors as you did individually, um, but but that's going to take a while. That's under the uh, that's under the appearance tab, I think. But that's going to take a while. So much better just to reload an existing Windows XP theme, and it'll all go back to normal. I don't. Know. I tried to do that. I went back to Windows Classic under themes. Yeah. And I set it up like my Windows Seven thing. Anyway, it doesn't. It doesn't ever come back to the way it was. Oh, interesting. Most of the graphics on certain websites, and it's got just a white background. It's terrible. Well, I wonder why that is. I wonder if it's... Uh, you, 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 uh, you're you logged in as administrator, yes? Yes, uh-huh. Well, I think so. Yeah, I would make sure... I th- I would bet you that... I mean, this is... You should be able to reset all of this. Um. Well, I did change it. Oh no, it is changed back. I've got like on my desktop. Oh, it's just it's just Internet Explorer that's messed up. Well, I use Mozilla Firefox. Ah, okay. So Mozilla is not paying attention to what XP is telling it. Oh. So Mozilla itself probably has. I suspect you created a default template, CSS template, mm-hmm. and you just need to go back, go into Mozilla's settings, and go back to the normal default template everything should be okay okay i can try that yeah i think what happened is when you were customizing you not only customized windows you customized the browser okay yeah so you'll have to go into the browser separately so is that under tools and options and then you know it depends on the version of mozilla you're using um i'm not sure exactly where it is but it is yes it's in tools options and I, it's in probably in a, under an advanced tab that you need to change. You, you probably changed many of the defaults, and you should be able to go back to just the plain old default. All right. Well, I'll give that a try. I, yeah. If you Google, uh, you know, default Mozilla template or something like that, I'm sure there'll be instructions. Oh, okay. Yeah. Google's great for this kind of thing because, you know what, you're not the only one who ever did this in the world. That's good to know. Yeah. Well, I think it's great that you did that. I think what a great uh, adaptation to make to the system. Yeah, I, it was difficult. We tried a lot of different things till she finally could look at it. But uh... Alternately, you could always create a new profile in the Mozilla Profile Manager, and that would just start with the default settings. Oh, okay. Yeah, but it's in Tools, Options, Content. That's what my uh, chat room is telling me. Oh, okay. Yeah, I see Oh. Yeah, and then there, it makes sure if you've turned on accessibility, sometimes accessibility will change uh, contrast and things like that. So you might want to make sure that those are set back to normal as well. Okay, uh, yeah, I thought I was at the default. Well, okay, I, I played with all this stuff, and I never could get anything. And I and create a new Mozilla profile, and it'll go back to the default. That's the other the other option as well. And uh, or just use Chrome. <laughs> you know, when in doubt. Use a different browser. Chrome is an excellent browser. It's actually my uh, browser of choice these days. I'm a, I'm a big fan. Thanks call, uh, for the call, Tom. I appreciate it. And thank you all for watching. Luis Oliveira, thank you. I'm sorry. It's Kyle. What am I saying? Uh, Luis is, is, it, is Kyle's Luis's t- uh, last day tomorrow? I think it is. We're at the next Sunday. We'll have to throw him a party. But thank you, Kyle, for all the great tunes. Thanks, Gina. for Was it Gina in the call uh, screening uh, booth? Thank you, Gina Yates, for the call screening. Thank you all for being here. 
And I hope you'll come back and join us again. The website is techguylabs.com. All our show notes are there. Thanks to James DeRuvo. I'm Leo Laporte, the Tech Guy. Have a great Geek Week.